after months of rehab, I was, you know, at home and, and doing vocational rehab, learning to go back to work. I was back at work for two months, uh, mm-hmm. June, July. And then I was found unconscious in my flat by my mom. I had a shunt that was from my brain from the initial brain hemorrhage that blocked leading to hydrocephalus or water on the brain. It led to emergency brain surgery, a hospital ride, an ambulance ride around to the hospital. And I woke up in the hospital bed hearing the, the noise of the heart rate monitor going off, uh, the cables dripping and feeding me information and medicine. And I'm just looking around like, what happened? What happened? And they told me, hey, Dan, you had a second surgery. You had a second emergency brain surgery. I'm like, all my progress was washed away. Yeah, but we got the blockage. You're safe now. I'm like, okay, good. But like all that work up until that point was gone in an instant. And I had worked my tail off to get back to work. I had been back to work for two months. And this happened, right? Listen to the vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. And I'm very happy to welcome Mr. Daniel McQueen here. Uh, He is a motivational speaker. And he's got quite the story to tell. Daniel, I guess, uh, should we start with the optometrist trip? Yeah, Kyle, that sounds good. So uh, this all happened in London, England, so jolly old in 2014. I was having these headaches that were getting pretty pretty debilitated, and my vision would sometimes go spotty or just go black for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. I went to A&E, which is accident and emergency, twice. Now, they thought it was vertigo, and they sent me home. Well, they told me to get my eyes checked in an optometrist should the headaches continue. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, the headaches continued. I went to the optometrist appointment. He stopped it midway through the exam. Like, just gave, just, you know, we got to stop this right now. Give me a sealed envelope. And he told me to go directly to Moorfields Hospital, which I did. Well, sort of. I went home first to grab a Jack Reacher book by Lee Child and a bite to eat as I figured I'd be in for a bit of weight and a phone charger. But then I went to Moorfields Hospital. They ran the same test and that's going to New Charing Cross Hospital. And it turns out, I had a dangerous buildup of pressure in my brain caused from a non-cancerous cyst. It turns out I need emergency brain surgery. It turns out my life was about to change entirely. So my mom was in the air flying to London on June 21st, 2014, when I was on the operating table. Something went wrong and I had a massive bleed in the brain, a brain hemorrhage. They think the cyst burst when they operated. Oh no. Mom lands and finds I was in critical condition. I was in a coma for four weeks, but was in and out of consciousness for months after that. It was really dicey, touch and go. When all was said and done, I was learning how to walk, talk, and smile again. Uh, So that was my reality in 2014, and I've been kind of building back up ever since. And you had two surgeries? Yeah, so I had, um, so that all all happened. I was left me learning to walk, talk, and smile again, built back up. Um. Learned to walk and tune Broadway. I'll share that story if you don't mind briefly, Kyle. Is that okay? Sure, man? go for it, man. So, learned to walk and tune Broadway was quite uh, quite a trial. Tune Broadway is in, in South London, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, so they call up and coming, which means a bit 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 dodgy, a bit bit uh, you know, think sirens, drugs, gangs, dirty grimy busy it's a full-on visceral experience i'm walking with a cane and an eye patch i'm bambi on ice out there i turn the corner on tune broadway immediately get slammed into by someone 
Uh-huh. Stagger back a few feet. Someone scurries past me on the right-hand side. I'm walking around. Someone's been stabbed on the sidewalk. I'm like, this is a pretty wild place to walk. God, After man. a few days of this, I'm thinking, this place sucks to walk, man. Can't they see I'm trying to walk here? Can't they see I'm trying here? And then my perspective shifted. Maybe this isn't the worst place to walk in the world. Maybe this is the best place. If I can walk here, I can walk anywhere. You know, two probably didn't change, right? But it went from the worst to the best in my mind, and my mood reflected that. What are you looking at in your life that could be the worst that maybe is the best? Can you shift that perspective just a little bit? So that's an example of how I shifted my perspective and got back to walking. After months of rehab, I was, you know, at home and, and doing vocational rehab, learning to go back to work. I was back at work for two months, uh, mm-hmm. June, July. And then I was found unconscious in my flat by my mom. I had a shunt that was from my brain from the initial brain hemorrhage that blocked leading to hydrocephalus or water on the brain. It led to emergency brain surgery, a hospital ride, an ambulance ride around to the hospital. And I woke up in the hospital bed hearing the the noise of the heart rate monitor going off, uh, the cables dripping and feeding me information and medicine. And I'm just looking around like, what happened? What happened? And they told me, hey, Dan, you had a second surgery. You had a second emergency brain surgery. I'm like, all my progress was washed away. Yeah, but we got the blockage. You're safe now. I'm like, okay, good. But like all that work up until that point was gone in an instant. And I had worked my tail off to get back to work. I had been back to work for two months and this happened, right? And I was forced to kind of look at this and think, it's not what happens to you, but how you react to it that matters, right? The famous Epictetus uh, quote. And I realized that like, it's not what this is, it's what I think about it that matters. And so I really got to work and going myself and, and building up my mental fortitude and thinking about like, how can I get back to work? And I call work chop wood, carry water in the process. So anytime I waver on stuff, just chop wood, carry water, get back to work. Don't worry about this. Get back to exercise, meditation, building up your cognitive skills, your brain functioning skills. I played Tetris on the tube to work to try and build my mental brain back up. I was told that Tetris would help form new pathways in my brain. The way a brain hemorrhage is described to me is your brain is like a, in, like a highway. There's, a, there's an issue on the fast highways. You have to take the back roads. You just slow up first and not sure where to go. Over time, they speed up as you begin to the route. You turn left after the stop sign, after the bend. I was all in on building myself back up after the second setback, which was, to be honest, Kyle, much lower than the first setback. The first setback was devastating, no doubt, but the second setback was like, it was a gut punch, man. Like all that progress was washed away overnight, and like you'd done the rehab in the hospital, so you couldn't go back to in person rehab. Mm-hmm. Uh, mind you we may be able to get some some rehab help afterwards but from my help my gp jens Foles, big shout out to jens Foles. but it was a lot of work and a lot of help to get back from it today Kyle. it's incredible that you had that kind of mindset because most people would be pretty much pissed at the world um i i went through a rehab when um, I had back surgery and when I gotten shot, but nothing like what you've gone through. And it was, I mean, there was times that I was in so much pain. I was just ready to give up altogether. I mean, what, what, 
makes you change your mindset like that? Is just the gratitude of being alive? Is it faith? I mean, what is it? That's a good question, Kyle. I think, like, really, I'm a stubborn son of a bitch. I'm like, I'm not going out like this. Like, it's like, you didn't get me with a shot. You better, if you're going to shoot me, shoot to kill, man. Yeah. Like, you didn't get me with this. And it's like, and then I'm building back up. And then I just had this fire inside me to just show you what I can do. I'm going to show you how great I can be. And I had friends come out to visit me in the hospital. And that was a big motivation for me because I would see them and be like, I'd be in a wheelchair. They go off to Scotland for a few weeks. They come back and I'd be walking like on a Zimmer frame, but I'd be walking a little bit. I'm like, I want to show them that I'm I'm getting better. I'm trying here. I used to really pride myself on not trying too hard in life. Things came easy to me, or at least I made them appear so. After the brain injury, that went out the window. I wanted to, I would never let myself not succeed because of lack of effort ever. I'm going to bust my ass and make this happen. If I failed because I'm not good enough or not strong enough to do it, but I'm going to bust my ass to prove that I can do it. And I really wanted to do it to prove people right that banked on me and prove people wrong that doubted me. And that's what got me up initially. I call that zero to one. And that, 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 um, that proving you wrong attitude that's so feisty and, and, and passionate and driven and, and dark. I've now transitioned that more to helping you, lending a hand, service. I want to share the story and in my inside perspective to help people that are going through a difficult time. Because maybe you don't have the help that I had. Maybe you don't have the support system that I had. And if you don't, man, you're 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 screwed, man. It's it's tough. Because it's not easy to do any of this stuff, to walk in, talk in, to smile again. It's not easy to do, but it's very simple. What I mean by this is like when you decide that I'm gonna start walking again, it's like, well, no, I'm a walker, I do this, I'm gonna try this out. Um and when you make that choice, you just deconstruct it and you just focus on the next day. What can I do the next day to make myself better? Well, I can get in the wheelchair in 40 minutes, not 45. The next day, 35 minutes, not 40. And just slowly incrementally increasing this improvements and building yourself back up. But like it's not, it's not to say it's easy to do this stuff, but like once you get your mind right, like you want to go right, then you just go right. When you make a choice, stick with the choice. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. Do you still have those moments, though, where you just kind of mad at everything? Yeah, I'm not like I'm not like a saint. Uh, I get pissed. Like I lost my job this past summer. Mm. Been there for nine and a half years, and I got let go in a restructuring in Hootsuite. Um, wrong side of a spreadsheet. Four hundred people lost their job. I was one of them. I gave myself. I gave myself an afternoon to decide I want to be a speaker the next day. Mm-hmm. It took me a few weeks to recover from that totally mentally and emotionally. But like I made that choice that afternoon, like, hey, I'm going to be a speaker. And to be a speaker tomorrow, I got to get a computer today. Gave myself a lunch, had a few margaritas. You know, screw it. We're going to go back up a new, new computer today and do that. And like 
that's not to say that I'm like without pity and, and down moments. Like I have those moments too, but like I just realize through trial and error that like accepting something is a fast way to resolve it. The first setback I had took me a month. The second setback took me a week. This this job loss this summer took me an afternoon. Mind you, it took me like the tailwind of this was a bit longer than a week, but or a day, but like I made the choice that I'm gonna make this like a catalyst to rally around at that moment about a computer that day. The fastest you the faster you can get to acceptance, the better off you can be. Now it's not easy to do because sometimes accepting is really tough because it's not fair it happened to you. It's not fair. You're right. But you gotta ask yourself this question, and what? And what do you expect to have happened now? It's not fair this happened. Okay, and uh, this stuff always happens to me. Why didn't it happen to Jim? He's never anything like this. And well, uh, you just you just burn yourself out. Like it's no one cares, man. You're not that special. It's a tough thing to hear from people, but like it, life doesn't happen for you. It happens to you, or not to you. It happens for you. Yeah, I I got you. You know what I'm saying? Is that right? Did I see that right? It happens for you, not to you. There you go. Yeah. So like you you get the chance to do this. And if you can accept things faster, you can move forward with it because acceptance is the game. The faster you can get to acceptance, the faster you can be improving in life. That's the one thing I recommend your listeners to do is just like, you know what? It's not fair. You're right. But what do you expect to have happened? Wishing it didn't happen is not an adequate way to resolve it. Well, I I admire the fact that you you took this challenge and and you made something out of it to help other people. You know, I don't want to make this about myself whatsoever, but, you know, I go through those times and I really, really love helping people, even though I felt like I was crapped on most of my life. I, I still feel this urge to help others. And then I go through those moments like the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I have a spinal disease and the pain gets so bad. Sometimes I wished I'd go to sleep and just not wake up. But then. I get a message or something from someone saying, thank you for bringing on this guest or for saying these words. It really helped me. And that really motivates you to continue to do that work. But when you got into speaking, was it like almost like rehab all over again, trying to, to get up there and do what you do? Yeah. So first of all, Kyle, that sounds tough, man. I'm sorry to hear that. That sounds like a struggle and that's not easy. And that's, that's not fun at all. So I appreciate that you telling me that, man. Thank you. Uh, speaking, this speaking business kind of came about because I used to speak at my outpatient uh, work at the Wolfson. I go in and speak with old rehab people or new rehab groups after I got let go. Anywhere from like six to 12 people in person, maybe once a quarter. And I kind of built this talk up around that. And then I kind of gave the talk to Hootsuite last year. Got such good response from this that like I figured there's something here, man. There's something with this talk that I've got, this perspective I've got, because I'm pretty raw, pretty honest. Uh, I'm not covering the difficult stuff, and I'm kind of tolling it how it is. Like, hey, man, this this sucks. Like, this is not easy to do, but it's like the motivation didn't come from this happy, holistic place. It came from this like, hey, man, you can't do this. Jog on. I'm gonna show you I can do this, and that's that's some fire inside you that really helps me to get going. Like, zero to one for me is like. Hey, bud, I don't think you can do this. F off. Now I'm trying to transition that more to service. But I had to identify that in myself and share that out because like, if people think it only comes from a happy place, hey man, if something hits you in life, you think, hey, if I'm just happy and, and cheerful, like I'm going to get back better. It's like, that's not how it is, man. That's not real. 
for sure. I got to my mat because I was like, hey, man, you, you don't think I can do this? Watch me. And now I'm trying to transition that because I want to move away from that 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 hateful, spiteful place because, I don't know, do you ever watch that, that Last Dance documentary with Michael Jordan? No, I haven't seen it. All right, well, I'll spare you that then, but he's a spiteful guy. Really? A bit of that. But, like, I don't want to be that in life, you know? I don't want to be this angry, bitter guy in life. I want to kind of... Uh, be happy and enjoy my life and, and just call my shot. So it's like, I, I got to be honest with how I got there, right? I've forgotten your question entirely, Kyle. I'm sorry. That's all right, man. <laughs> well, I mean, for me, I, I'm happy because I have a wonderful family. You know, I, I couldn't ask for a better wife. My kids, I, I I don't know what I'd do without my kids or my grandkids. And I, I have some great friends. I really do. And for that, um, that's my happy part of my family. I mean, of my life, excuse me. And then being able to help others, that makes me happy. But I'll tell you, those times when you go through the pain, when you can't move, you get so frustrated. And then when you're out in public, so it'll either I use my cane or if we're doing like a lot of walking, I have to use my wheelchair and you either get those people that feel sorry for you or the people that just don't ignore you all together. And it, it's like, look, can we get a happy medium here? Just treat me like a regular human being, you know? Okay. So I, I can't get up and walk and run like you can. So what? I'm still a human. Yeah, right. Well, uh, I used to give this this uh, used to be interviewed by these these new medical doctors in the UK in London. Mm -hmm. And in London, you can go to med school when you're 18. So these kids are like they're 18 year old kids come to my house interviewing me about my experience in the medical space. Mm -hmm. And they're asking me like, Dan, what should we know as, as new doctors? And I go, you need to treat a patient as a person first, and a patient second. That's the mm -hmm. biggest thing I can tell you, because if you treat someone as a patient first, hey, man, like you don't care about me. I'm like I'm number to you, like connect with me as a person first, and then you can tell me the worst news in the world. But if you tell me some news is like, oh, this is the patient information. It's like, hey, man, I'm a real person like that. That news wasn't the best news to tell me. And you treat me like I should just take it like like I should take it. But I'm a person, man, first. And exactly. that's the message I hammered home with them. Like a person first, a patient second. And they were like, she was so profound. She's like, oh, damn, thank you for telling me this because I was starting to wonder if I should treat that way or, or view that way. I'm like, no, no, it's always person first, man. Like, that's not fair when someone's looking at you or judging you. Like, that's that two for the road attitude, man. Like, you don't think I can do this? Watch me, bro. Like, that fires me up, man. But it's also very hurtful. Like, I used to wear an eye patch and a cane all the time in London. And people make comments with the cane or the eye patch, and be like, all right, man, like, you try not to let it bother you too much, but like, they kind of grate on you a little bit. And I stopped wearing the eye patch, not because of the comments, but because of the periphery vision was quite difficult to have. But every one of those comments, man, like, put in the backpack, like, cool, I can't do this. Cool, 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 cool. It's like you stockpile that stuff and use it as fuel to get going, which I think is, uh, I don't know if it's healthy, but it, it's definitely motivating somebody's just being rude and making comments like why you know why why do you why do you have to do that you don't know what i've been through yeah and 
And I'm not one of these people that go out and tell everybody, oh, well, you know, I have this disease and, you know, feel sorry for me and all this stuff. No, of course not. Um, I only tell people on here because I know there's somebody else out there that's going through something similar and let them know, hey, there, you, you can make it. You can make it. But, but these, you got so many people out here that, I mean, they get upset because you don't call them the, the, the right pronoun and they think the whole world's falling down on top of them. It's like, dude, look what, look what you've been through, you know? But, but that's not a problem. This what you've gone through that that was that was adversity to get over, and you're not sitting here whining about it. Well, there's one thing I'd say to that, Kyle. And that's the hardest thing you've ever been through is the hardest thing you've ever been through. Mm-hmm. Someone that can be being teased, or it could be having two brain surgeries in London, learning to walk, talk, and smile again. Like it's a big spectrum of like the worst thing that's ever happened is the worst thing that ever happened to you. But I can't make you understand what it's like to be in these situations unless you've been there. Mm-hmm. It's important to know that. But exactly. The perspective is so key for this, right? And um, I think perspective is the actual game. How you view something is, is everything. Like another hack I want to share with you and your audience, Kyle, is, is called icebreakers. Mm-hmm. So this is what I came up with in London to learn how to walk that. Right? London's quite a busy city. It's not a New York vibe, but it's it's quite it's quite busy. It's a busy city in Europe for sure. Um, icebreakers are like think about an icebreaker breaking through the ice in the Arctic, right? Right. So you want to find someone go in your direction and you follow behind them. Let them break the ice for you. So you want to walk behind like a buggy, a push car, a couple. Let them break the ice for you and you walk in their wake. And before you know it, you're not dealing with the oncoming traffic, that adversity. A lot of my hacks are designed to make it less. To turn down the suck, I call it. When you had a brain injury, like your fatigue levels are quite high. You get quite tired easily. And by taking these little drafting off these people walking through an alleyway or a busy street, you can reduce the strain you face. But it's gamification at its finest. Like, have fun Have fun with life. Life's about having fun. Play. Um, mm-hmm. Draft off these people. Have an icebreaker. Like, I'm trying to have stuff... Ways that you're going to save my bandwidth and allow me better than yesterday. And that's why I I think perspective is so key for this because it's not ideal to do this. Like walking into a room was the worst. Now it's the best. How you view it is everything. It's not what happens to you, but how you react that matters. And that's like that key point here. When people get all whiny about like stuff that's happened to them, it's just like, hey man, like maybe. Or maybe you're just being soft. And like, I don't want to ever compare myself and be like, hey, look what I've been through. Like, and I'm not whining about this stuff. But like, when I share my experiences, because I want you to know it's coming from a place of like, I've lived this experience and I know what's going on. Let me mm-hmm. tell you, these hacks matter. Right. He's probably saying, hey, then look what I've been through. Because it's like, I got scars to prove it, baby. But like, it's not, it's not that. That's not the reason why. It's so you buy into me as a presenter and like, oh, he thinks that making his bed is a big thing in the morning. Why would you think that? Why would I listen to that? It's like, well, I had to relearn how to walk, talk, and smile again. And I found that making my bed helps me structure my day in a way that allows me to have regimen and rigor and discipline to allow me to achieve big things. Okay, well, you've been through some stuff. So it's like, I'll believe your hack now because you've been through some stuff. But it's like when I go listen to other people's stories, um, like, do you ever hear this guy, Paul DeGelder? 
No. He's a Navy clearance diver from Australia, and he got attacked clearing mine, or I don't know, something in Sydney Harbor. He got attacked by a bull shark, lost his arm and a leg. Wow. The same side, arm and a leg, right? Like cuffs are dying, almost died. And I listened to the story and riveted by the first time the attack, the, the shark attack. The first time I listened to it full time through. Every talk I've listened to since, I've always fast forwarded that part because I know what happened. I want to know when you wake up in that hospital bed, how did you structure your mind to be like, hey man, I've got no arm and no leg on the right side. How am I going to get up and back at two things after this? Because you can't control that happened to you. That happened. And that sucks. It's not fair it happened to you, right? But wishing it didn't happen, you're not resolving it. But how did you go about fixing this, right? And he goes, he started doing pull-ups. Three my mind, right? How am I going to do this? Like now he's a motivational speaker. He also shows show, uh, host Shark Week on Discovery Channel. Wow. Like a smoking hot wife now. Like he's got like his life, he says, is so much better now because of the the, the shark attack. It's like, that's cool, man, because this adversity should have destroyed you. should have killed you. You should have been dead. Guy mm-hmm. should have been dead a number of times. Like I've had, you know, I say like I've had a couple of chances. I probably had four or five chances, you know, like I should be, you should be dead, but I'm not. And now every adversity I face is like in the backpack of the like, cool. I'm leveling up. Post-traumatic growth is what they call that. And um, that was a bit of a tangent there, Kyle, but uh, it's the mindset, right? Like it's how you view it. It's not what it is, but the mindset is so important. That's what I'm trying to get across. Hey, I agree. I mean, this, what happened to me allowed me to retire early and to focus on the show and helping others. And it's, it's opened up the doors for me to meet so many wonderful people getting to work with the veterans now. I mean, they, they called me to ask to to help with uh, a new project they got going on. If I had kept on my life the way it was, I don't think I'd be here right now doing what I'm doing. So I, I get you, man. It It's opened up doors for me is the way I look at it. Yeah. And it's not like you can, it's not really fair to say like, would you go like, I remember this question my friend asked me last summer. He goes, if you could, um, I was talking to him about like the brain injury. He goes, I've learned so much since the brain injury. If I could go back in time and undo the brain injury, but I'd lose all the knowledge I'd lost. I'd lose all the knowledge I gained from the brain injury. Would I do it? And I said, no, I wouldn't. That's not a fair question because I can't undo, I can't go back and undo the brain hemorrhage, right? Mm-hmm. But what I'm trying to share with you is like the knowledge you gain from yourself and the world and your perspective is so valuable from this experience. Yeah. Don't dismiss that. Like that's, big stuff man and you can't buy that well you can if you book me to speak but like <laughs> but uh you can't ever you got to earn these lessons right i've learned i've earned these lessons with blood sweat and tears man and i give them to you because i want to help you like i've navigated this road and i'm going to tell you don't go right there it's a fake right go around the bend i can i can map you back this what really matters when you're down no and they count your next one like it's 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 not what you think. And like, you think that this stuff matters and it's not what you think matters. Like relationships matter. The relationship you yeah. have with your family, like that stuff really matters. Like my family, my, yeah. my brother, my friends in Vancouver. And now it's like, I call, the, the reason why I speak is, is this call, I call it the call. I feel called to speak about my experience because I don't want these lessons to be le- like left on the sidelines of life, Kyle. I want you to know, like, hey, getting up early, 
working out, making your bed, cold shower, meditating. That helps me get going my day. Maybe that helps you. I'm never going to tell you what you should do because that's that pisses me off beyond anything else. You should do this. Like, hey, man, you know my story. Like, jog on. But right. this worked for me. It might work for you. And this is my experience. Like, so I wake up, go to the gym. I wake up, make my bed, go to the gym, cold shower, I meditate, ramp up, start my day the same way every day. And I like put on my armor because I got to armor up for the day and take on the difficulties. But like find a routine that serves you. Understand what those triggers and those pull points are for you. And like just just trust the process. Chop wood, carry water is what I call that. Whenever I deviate from stuff like well, I'm a bit like flustered right now, chop wood, carry water, get to work. Don't worry about this periphery crap. Like, focus on the task at hand. Chop wood, carry water. Yeah, and that kind of keeps you on task. And I find it helpful. It may not work for you, but it's worked for me. And that's what I'd like to pass on to your listeners, Zuko. Well, I know there's plenty of distractions out there, plenty of things that that could veer you off the path. But it's important to stay on it. Um, you know, I was telling you earlier about how I'll get messages from time to time from people to say, thank you. You know, you brought so-and-so on and they really inspired me to do this or, you know, the all kinds of really great stories from people. Uh, do you get messages like that or people come up and tell you thank you and what's been the uh, the best success story that you've gotten so far yeah, so I gave a talk at my old employer last uh, autumn, Hootsuite. This is the talk that actually made me pursue the speaking career as a full-time gig. Mm-hmm. And the amount of comments I had about, like, damn, the talk was so ins- inspirational and raw, which was what I really wanted to hear, like, the raw word, because that's I tried to polish it up and make it look presentable. And I, I didn't want to lose that raw element of, like, hey, man, this is rough and ready, and, like, this is how it is. But I've got that one habit that I really – stressed and said that it's a foundation half of me is the making the bed mm-hmm. i think i'm singly hand responsible for like dozens of people now making their bed in the morning because i told them to do so which <laughs> seems like a really stupid and trite thing to be like hey man i'm making you make your bed i feel like a great success story but the bed is a big symbol for like your life the room is made the room looked tidy the bed is made it's the first thing you accomplish in the day the last thing you in the bed is getting last thing you is in the bed it's a symbol for your life also, the cold showers is something I've promoted of late. No, Dan, I can never go in the cold shower. And you try it one time, like, hey, man, it's kind of good. You do a bit of a rush. I'm like, yeah, man, it's addicting, isn't it? I never can leave the shower now until I go cold. It seems like a stupid, simple <laughs> thing, but like these stupid little things build up into a life worth of meaning and, and value. Like, it, like, have fun, man. Life's about having fun. If you can't have fun, then I don't know. It's, this whole thing's about having fun for me and like just enjoying myself because. You can be down and out and gloomy and miserable, or you can just have a good time. And like, I want to have a good time. And these little games and hacks help allow me to do that. And But the one that no doubt gets the most response is making your bed, Kyle. So that's one that I'm known for And in the speaking circles today, which is kind of, a, I don't know, I'll take it as a, as a badge of honor, I guess. But it's if, you, if you've told me back when I was in high school, making your bed's what you'll be known for. I'm like, yeah, right, bud. I never moved my bed growing up. Has any uh, any any individual ever just come up to you and said, "Hey, I, uh, your speech has allowed me to to do this" or anything along that line? 
Yeah, for sure. I had a few people mention like, hey, man, I was going through a tough time and like your talk really kind of snapped me out of it and just realized like focus on what I can control and attack that. Like my big part of my talk is control the controllables, mm-hmm. right? Control the controllables. It's like a stoic way of approaching life. Like, can you influence it or control it? If yes, do that. If no, then punt it, man. But like if you're going through a rough time, don't get spun out on what's going wrong in your life. Focus on what you can control and focus on that. So like exercise, cold shower, wake up early meditation, organize yourself and just be religious with it. Like chop wood, carry water is what I call that. Just get to work. Anytime you deviate, chop wood, carry water. And that discipline helps you get on track. Um, and those those messages really mean a lot to me because it feels like it's it's they'll kind of pull me aside and like, hey man, like I was going through a really tough time there, but your talk really helped. It's like that feels like it is valuable. That feels like I've done something with my life that's worth worth it and meaningful. And like it's more than just a job or a hobby. It's like this is I'm making a difference here, which sounds woo-hoo a little bit, but like it's it means something to me and it means something to them. And I can see that in their eyes, and it's pretty cool yeah and you know there's going to be folks out there you help and you'll never even know what their story is but you you keep that in mind to keep doing what you're doing is hey it's not so much about getting the praise it's just knowing that someone out there is getting the message yeah it's big time man i think it's um what drives me to do this talk the speaking speaking gig now is, is sharing this message in this prescript not prescriptive but like just sharing my blueprint of what i did if it works for you great if not no stress man because it's not for everyone that's for sure but if i can tell you how to be a bit better than yesterday better than yesterday is what i go for Mm -hmm. then i'll do that and i want to leave a legacy of helping of showing a way forward of being light and jovial and fun and because life isn't all fun as we all know, like it's, it's not fun, but it's if you can, you can find fun and, and dark humor and a lot of stuff, like my humor is very dark and twisted and like, it's very twisted because you got to kind of laugh at stuff. You're like, this is ridiculous. Look at me right now. I'm in this one. I remember being in the hospital and then uh, Charing Cross and overnight would be a wild place. The Charing Cross hospital, in this, this one big area room where like this people crying and screaming and you got pills and, they're just kind of coming around and patrolling and checking up on you and making sure you're okay. I'm like, this is a wild situation here. Like, this is when in my life am I ever, hopefully, never again, am I ever going to come back to this spot? This is a wild situation. Can you watch this now? I'm telling my friend Andrew, like, Andrew, this place is a pretty wild spot at night, man. Like, there's people screaming and crying and people, you know, you got to take yeah. your medication. And one time I hid my medication from my, my nurse and I didn't want to take it. I'm like, you know what? I've had enough. I don't need this crap anymore. I'm done with it. Cause it's like 30 pills or whatever. I'm just like, I hit it under my bed and she wakes me up and she goes, you didn't take your pills. You didn't take your pills. And then some other emergency went off and she went off to go deal with that. And I, I sheepishly took them later than I should have, but it's just, uh, these memories are, are kind of wild and you just got to kind of look at it as like, Hey man, this is my experience right now, but it's, it's mine and I can make the most of it or make the, it can be the worst. It can be the best. And like, that's kind of, the through line I want to get through to your audience is just like, it's how you look at it that matters, not what it is. But turn down the suck, I say, and have some good times. I'm, 
if you don't mind, I'll share a little story about my grandpa. Please. My, grand, my grandfather had, um, he'd worked out at the Exxon chemical plant and him and another guy were up in a cherry picker. Anyway, the line snapped that was holding him up and they fell quite a ways and ended up, he had, uh, messed up his back. I mean, he, he broke his spine and he, uh, he couldn't walk and all these other things. He just had all kinds of problems. I don't want to go through all of them. But the main one was that, you know, his, his legs weren't working anymore. But he he was stubborn like you. He was determined he was going to walk again. And so he he did. He walked, but he stumbled a lot when he walked. And he uh, he was going to an appointment. And my grandmother was walking behind him and you know here he's stumbling down the hall and this lady came up and asked my grandma she says is he drunk and my grandpa heard it you know some people get pissed off but grandpa said well i wished i was i'd get over this in the morning (laughs) (laughs) it's the way you look at it right the way you look at it for sure well (laughs) it's like um the way they got me to talk so that i was i'm gonna go to the coma I had a breathing tube removed and I couldn't talk for a few weeks. The way they got me to talk was she took me down to the park, like the, the, the hospital public area. And she sit me in front of these kids across the park. And he goes, Dan, those kids across there, they don't think you're good enough to talk. Dan, they don't think you can talk. You're not good enough to talk. They think. And I just like, she found out what motivated me and it just hammered that. And I was just like, yelling profanities across. I found my voice. Needless to say, and I told them a thing or two about my talking abilities. But like there's something as simple as that. Just when you find out what works, go for it. But like that, that's like a light, jovial moment that you can have now. But like if you don't view it as like a jovial moment, then hey man, it's gonna suck. It's gonna suck. But you can choose to look at it from a good perspective or a bad perspective. Like, I wish I was. I get over in the morning. Like, that's a great line. I'll share one one line with you don't mind, uh, Kyle. When I first met my GP, Jens Foles, in uh, in London, he was a great GP. He's moved to Wales now. But uh, he goes, I'm waiting in the waiting room with, with my dad, and he goes, is Dan McQueen here? And I go, it's me. I'm getting myself up. I've got a cane and an eye patch. I'm kind of waddling over towards him. And he goes, Dan, I read your file. And my file was kind of two of these, right? Two thick dossiers this big. He goes, I thought you'd be a wreck. And I and I paused for a minute. And I go, Jens, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but like that little line, man, just 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 showcase the the relationship we had that was like a person first and a patient second. And that's mm-hmm. what I tell doctors now is like that relationship was gold dust. Like that little, mind you, like I like it because it's a witty line that I said, and I can share it again and showcase how witty and brilliant I am. But it kind of showcases the relationship we had was just kind of this lighthearted joking about this dark situation. Like, I'm sorry to disappoint you. But like, you can choose to look at it that way, or you know what, this, yeah, this is a real crappy situation. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. It is crappy. But like, what good is that going to do by like reinstilling that and reinforcing that all the time? Like, turn down the suck a little bit, I say. Yeah, whenever I encounter somebody else, it's on a cane, like me, or in a wheelchair, when I have to be in a wheelchair. 
I always ask them if they want to race, and they usually giggle about that. <laughs> you got to good looking. So you have the light heart. Got to laugh. Yeah, exactly. So I walked for a cane with the wall as well, Kyle, in London, because I I was walking. I wasn't walking for a while, and I got back to the cane. The way I got off the cane was I came back to Vancouver one time, and I forgot the cane in London. I was like, oh, I totally forgot about this. And I was in Vancouver two weeks. I didn't have the cane to use it once in Vancouver, and I managed just fine, so I retired the cane. And I was like, oh, I don't need the cane anymore. That's that's phenomenal. That's great. But I used it for years. Yeah. And mind you, I probably used it a little bit too to like, I think I got a free transit pass out of it as well. But I needed to walk around. Like I couldn't couldn't walk without this, right? Like it was quite a part of me. When I moved back from London, I left it on the sidewalk as like a gift to the, the neighborhood as like to get rid of most of my, some of my stuff. And it got picked up because it's a good dignified looking cane, man. It was a very nice looking cane. So what's next that you want to accomplish? Yeah, great question, Kyle. I think like for me, speaking now is a big part of my vibe. And well, it's what I'm trying to do full time as a gig. And I think for me, this year, I want to do a TEDx talk. Um, oh, cool. We've got a TEDx talk ready to go. I'm kind of identifying places where I could potentially hold it and apply there. Uh, that's a big goal for me. Um, I'm speaking at a Braintree conference later this year in, in Canada in April, I believe. But I'm landing gigs and speaking as much as I can. I spoke at a high school last week, uh, tightening up my talk track and just trying to get things going and share up some perspective, man. Because like I feel like I've got some good experience to share. And the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Mine just happens to be this side of the spectrum. But if I can show you what I've been through and tell you, hey, man, I navigated this by following these steps. Maybe that works for you. Maybe not, but maybe it does. So speaking is big for me now. TEDx talk, continually crushing the speaking stuff and just getting my body too. Like exercise is quite big for me. I'm swimming three times a week now, gymming four times a week. That's not probably sustainable long-term, but right now it feels pretty good. Yeah, I hear you. You do what you can while you can. Exactly. Mm. That's a good point to bring up. Like It's not always going to be possible to do that, but I do it when I can because who knows, right? Well, I'm enjoying using my cane right now because I don't know how long it's going to be before I have to use a wheelchair full time. So, but why worry about that now? Yeah, why do what I can now. now. But it's like, you know, you could be woes me about the whole thing. Like, well, eventually I'm going to be in the wheelchair. Maybe we'll go now. Like, no, man. Like, that's the wrong way to look at shit. Like, you're not yeah. there yet. It's like I could be in the ground tomorrow, but I'm not. So, like, why worry about this stuff? You know. And besides, who knows what kind of medical miracle could happen around the corner. They might be able to do something for me and I'll be walking like normal again. Exactly. Well, um, pretty remarkable. My my dad interviewed um, this guy from Canada called Trevor Green. Uh, he was an Afghanistan veteran, but he got as famous because he he took off his helmet in like a in a ceremonial um service mm -hmm. and he got attacked by air with an axe oh he didn't die but he lost the use of his legs and he was clinging to life and he had to battle back from this but he opened up a legion like a first of its kind legion in uh in surrey bc last month where it's like uh low income or like a, not low income but like first responder help uh housing 
in mm-hmm. Vancouver, which is quite expensive, and state of the art rehab rehab and rehabilitation for first responders and and service members. And it's a phenomenal project, but that guy was not able to walk, and now he's walking using an exoskeleton. He's in a wheelchair most of the time, but they're trying to ramp this exoskeleton up, and it's phenomenal to watch the progress and just the fight in him and the drive. And now he's got a family, and um, you know, this Legion is a huge project, and it's something that certainly these legions are like an aging out demographic in a way, but this is kind of brought new life back in the legion. Vibe. It's a big case study to see how it works for potential new spots in Canada as well, which is quite exciting. So that was last last month, and the uh, I believe it was a Surrey Legion, and the name's Trevor Green, uh, the 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 uh, the service member who was uh, who started this project. So it's quite cool to see. I'm actually going to go down to the Brainerd area in Surrey later this month to try and get some tests done and see how my brain's going. No real issues, just to kind of see how I'm doing. See the health that my brain is because they can do some pretty wild stuff. But it's like uh, I'm never going to be fixed from the brain injury, if that makes sense. Like I can always improve, but it's always ongoing. So every day I wake up and it's like I, I do that routine that I mentioned, and I also have to meditate during the day to kind of get the battery back up to 75%. Yeah. I describe like my batteries at 75% and they can never go higher. But every second drains it from 75. Below 50, I'm unpleasant. Below 40, I'm a bit of a prick. Got to get back up to 75, but only ever as far as 75. And then it drains immediately. Mm. I got to manage that battery as best I can to like be my best self, if that makes sense. And that's taken a lot of trial and error. Like I've, I've buggered up a few times and tried to do too much. And I'm exhausted and I'll say something that's like not pleasant or I'll do something that I regret later in the day. I'm like, well, oh, I was tired. I shouldn't have done that. But only by failing do I realize where the edge of the boundaries is. And I can understand how to navigate and plan for this in a way that's thoughtful and, and, and uh, practical for my, my vibe. Well, I also keep in mind that there's someone out there a lot worse off than I am. You're going to encounter people that have gone through 10, maybe 10, 100 times worse than what you have. So be thankful for what you do have. And don't look at what you don't have. I think that's a problem with a lot of folks today is they sit and they worry about, well, I don't have this and I don't have that. And that doesn't necessarily have to be about health. I mean, they think, oh, I don't have the, uh, you know, $100,000 car that my neighbor has or the, you know, three-story home that they have or the giant screen television those but what do you have yeah you know i got a roof over my head i got electricity and running water what about somebody in a foreign country that doesn't even have a a roof over their head or they're living in terrible conditions you know well they say like be worse the, the sick man wants one thing the healthy man wants a thousand things the sick man wants one thing right Mm-hmm. focusing on what is it you actually want like i just want to be better everything else okay. in my life is not important now just get better i don't need that hot whip the new house the rain all that stuff like i want just to be better now but also like i remember going through my injury um and i've got double vision now so i still have that from the brain injury and my eye drags a little bit sometimes when i look in the mirror and i get a bit upset from this as soon as I get upset, I remind myself, hey, Dan, you can walk now. 
Yeah. We weren't able to walk before, but you can walk now, bud. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, the eye dragging a little bit. You can still see out of it, but it just drags a little bit. But you can walk now, bud. So like, that's not fair to say because there can be various things that, that happen to you that aren't that aren't fair. But like, hey, man, it's not fair. It's not you're right. It's not fair. It's not your fault. But it's your responsibility. Like to navigate this and to think your way through this. So it's it's like be grateful what you do have, not what you don't have. That's a very good point. Do the doctors expect things to get? really worse for you or are they optimistic that you're just going to keep improving well i had surgery in the eyes two months ago to try mm -hmm. and correct the double vision it's made the vision a lot better now my double vision is kind of like the vision is kind of like one and then two mm -hmm. they're trying to make it like this and then hopefully it goes like this and then one vision it's made it a lot better now i can move my eye a lot more now than the past hasn't resolved the double vision but i still we only did the right eye so now we're gonna try the left eye in a few months time uh optimistic i don't know but it's made it a lot better i'm gonna keep trying that's the, the thing here is you gotta keep trying like don't yeah don't stop until you throw sand over top of me like i'm, I'm not gonna stop and why 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 stop like i'm not gonna settle for this like i'm gonna try this out now because if it, it can fix it now why not try if they can't fix it then fine man. i know the limitations but i'm gonna push that limitation if that makes sense now how far do you travel to uh, just do your speaking or you just kind of try to stay in a certain part of the world most of it's remote to be honest now but i'm in vancouver i won't, I won't travel much further than that just yet but unless you want to pay me to come travel to you like mm -hmm. austin texas could be a cool vibe um but uh yeah i try to keep it like i'm reimagining my battery quite a lot now and doing that but I'm, I'm gonna look to start expanding out to start traveling around for some speaking gigs but it's like i'll be very conservative with how i approach that because i gotta be mindful of the battery now yeah yeah of course well if anyone wants to get a hold of you how do they do so yeah the best way is mcqueendan.com uh that's going to be the best way to get in touch with me i'm mcqueen dan across all the socials uh twitter instagram are the main ones uh, I also got a YouTube channel, McQueen Dan, as well. But McQueenDan.com is probably the best way to go about that. You can drop a note there and we can get in touch and chat about speaking opportunities. Well, I want to share all those links in the description so it'd be easy for folks to find you. Appreciate that, Kyle. Thank you very much, man. Oh, yeah, of course. Now, I appreciate you spending your time with me today. And, and hopefully you have inspired someone out there to, to keep going, you know, to to have a better mindset in life yeah well anything i can do to you know help you turn down the suck in life i'm, I'm all, all for that and let's keep going man like, it does get easier it may not seem like it does but it does get easier like i'm telling you that from experience i appreciate you sharing that and also appreciate you folks out there if you are new to this channel well thanks for stopping by i hope you'll come back please hit that subscribe button and for my regulars, I thank you all because you make it possible for me to do this. So until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Listen to the Vibes. You can catch us on Buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And on YouTube, follow us on Facebook at The Vibes Broadcast Network.